Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include further fallout from Wells exiting the correspondent division, my interview with Polensky Bottle Green's Marty Green on the Fed's rate hike calculus and the disconnect between what the Fed is saying and what markets are predicting, and we've got the latest inflation reading. Today's podcast is brought to you by Simple Nexus an Encino company and award-winning developer of mobile-first technology for the modern mortgage lender. Nexus origination allows lenders and borrowers to complete the mortgage process from anywhere. With a flexible digital loan application, fast pre-qual and pre-approval capabilities, and a simplified mobile disclosure process, hundreds of lenders rely on Simple Nexus to deliver world-class home lending services. To learn more about Nexus origination, visit simplenexus.com. 30 years ago, we had Bob Hope, Johnny Cash, and Steve Jobs. Today, we have no hope, no cash, and no jobs. (laughs) Ah, We're all praying nothing happens to Kevin Bacon. Bringing home the bacon is something that has become strained for tens of thousands in our business when they lose their job. I've been deluged with Wells Fargo folks wanting to change their email to their home email. And while this has given me insight in advance, often into companies closing, To be FDC compliant, I don't actually add emails. Sign up personal emails at robchrisman.com under the subscribe tab. Also, anyone can post their resumes for free at lendernews.com where employers can view them for a nominal $75 fee for several months. Because, hey, there should still be a couple trillion in mortgages originated this year. Hear me out. Are you in debt? Join the crowd. That's not a great transition. U.S. households' debt is now $16.5 trillion. That's trillion with a T. Sensationalist headlines aside, it is up about 7% for the year. In the asset column, let's look at one state. Although I am sure that numbers are compelling elsewhere, California has 2.4 million households free and clear mortgage debt, the third highest count among the states. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome back to the show, Polensky Vital Greens, Marty Green, to talk a little bit about the Fed. I love having him on, and as a principal with his mortgage law firm, he's one of the foremost legal experts on residential real estate and mortgages. Welcome, Marty. The Fed, after four consecutive 75 basis point hikes, raised rates 50 basis points at this last meeting. Does that constitute a pivot, or is it is it not a pivot until the Fed pauses rate hikes or cuts rates? How do you how do you view it? I, I don't think that's a pivot. I think that's just a slowing down of the pace of the increases, uh, anticipating that additional increases are still going to be necessary. So I think it's, it's frankly, they were needing to catch up. Uh, they were a little bit behind the curve in terms of addressing inflation. And so those oversized increases were kind of necessary to get them caught up. But I think at this point, they kind of recognize that uh, it takes a little time for their policy uh, changes to to begin to work. There's a lag there. And in recognition of that lag, they needed to to at least slow the pace a little bit uh, with the last change that was still an oversized. I mean, if you look at it historically, a 50 basis point raise is still is substantial. It's more than, than they normally do because they like to move in quarter point increments. So it was a little bit unusual in terms of size, but it felt better because we've gotten used to the 75 basis point increases. The voters are obviously devoting a lot more time in their days to to think about this than you or I, but 
if the effects of the Fed's tightening haven't fully taken hold yet, yet we're still like this last Friday, we're, we saw an incredibly robust payrolls report, uh, kind of a pie in the sky report. The, the overall payrolls number beat expectations, wage growth moderated, which has been the Fed's big concern. How does the Fed get the, you know, calculate the dance of, hey, there's still a lot of tightening that we've already enacted that's yet to flow through the economy? Obviously, they're they're probably leaning towards we'd rather overshoot than undershoot. But but where do you think their their head is looking at the the current landscape? Well, I think that you're what you just said is really hit hit it on the head. Is they are much more concerned about uh, not doing enough than they are about doing too much because they feel uh, they are concerned that if you allow inflation to get too entrenched, it will become really really painful to try to get it back under control. So they're mindset is let's do even a little bit more than is necessary because we can always sort of re, uh, you know undo that if we overshoot the mark a little bit uh, but of course the concern from an economic standpoint is you if you overshoot the mark what you will do probably is tip us into a recession perhaps unnecessarily so that's the high wire act for the fed i think is how do the what's just the right amount of tightening to get inflation under control without doing so much that you unnecessarily cause a recession i kind of want to make a sports analogy here and when when you look at the new england patriots and their players it's the it's very much one game at a time we're focused on our next opponent that's they get they get the the organizational message and they they spout that out to the general public the fed seems to have received the message or these voters are trying to convey this message of we are going to keep rates higher for longer than people expect there exists this disconnect between wall street and the fed and and the fed's dot plot about just how hawkish will the fed remain what are you seeing with that disconnect and, and how do people read that? Yeah, it's difficult. It's very difficult for them to do that because it's, it's uh, you know, one of the things that the, you have an abnormal spread between treasuries and mortgage rates right now. And that part of it is because of the unpredictability of where the Fed's terminal rate may be. Uh, the Fed keeps telling the markets it's going to be higher than they anticipate, but the markets seem to have be looking at the data and thinking that the Fed's going to need to slow down or pivot before the Fed has indicated they they think that's going to be necessary. So I think that's one of the the dysfunctions right now for the people, market participants in the mortgage world is the reality they're seeing is different from the reality that the Fed sort of sees in its crystal ball. But we all have to recognize that you know this is a very, very inexact science and no one knows exactly where it's going to be. And the Fed may be very, very uh, right that they leave rates higher for a longer period of time. But I see some softening out there, and you see a lot more headlines now about uh, layoffs than you did six months ago. You didn't see hardly any at all, and now you see a fair, fairly large number of those that are coming in uh, and coming online fairly quickly and in succession. And so I think the combination of that along with the slowdown in housing will have a pretty good impact on the economy. Uh, and it'll cause things to slow or slow down more as the year progresses, in my view, which I think should uh, cause interest rates to moderate a little bit as as it becomes. Uh, and, and the other thing that you'll see is, I think, inflation comparisons that you're, you're going to be comparing it more and more to periods where prices had already increased fairly significantly. And so inflation will look a little more moderate in, through that prism as well. 
So that's kind of why I think the mortgage people are looking at the Fed, I think, is just trying to set expectations that if what they think is right, that they're going to have to keep rates higher for longer, that they've at least told the market that over and over again. If the market doesn't believe them, uh, market may do that at their own uh, own peril. But I think at the end of the day, you know, the market does have a pretty good sense of what's going on in the economy and, and the Fed maybe start looking at more forward data as opposed to some of the lagging indicators. Yeah, how are your clients acting in this in this specific scenario? Are they saying we're going to take the most prudent approach possible and and listen to the Fed and, and say, okay, well, you know, if the if the Fed says rates are going to be higher than we expect for longer, we should model based on that. Or there people are saying we're we are seeing the softening and we're going to change our projections based on what we think rather than what the Fed has publicly communicated. What I'm hearing from clients is that it's really difficult for them to do a projection beyond 30 days right now because of all of the uncertainty out there. So I think that they are planning for the worst. And so what you're seeing is a large number of mortgage companies that are right-sizing to uh, based upon what their current production model is with the idea that if they are get a pleasant surprise in terms of what the market gives them, they can add talent. Uh, pretty quickly uh, because there's a lot of it that has already sort of out in in the the workplace right now that could be hired if they needed people tomorrow. So I think they're less concerned about being understaffed and more concerned about being overstaffed. And so that's kind of how they're adjusting their uh, their models today. I want to pivot slightly and talk to you about something that we haven't spoken on before, but but I think is very interesting and important. You were appointed to the Finance Commission of Texas by Governor Greg Abbott. What does the Finance Commission do and what's your role on it? Uh, well, thank you for mentioning that. Yeah, I was a, I was had the honor of being appointed by Governor Abbott to serve on the Texas Finance Commission. And what, what the commission does is it's an oversight uh, function over the financial regulatory agencies for Texas, which is the Texas Department of Banking, the Texas Department of Savings and Mortgage Lending, and the Office of Consumer Credit Commissioner. So it's basically to provide an umbrella of oversight to all of those uh, independent agencies. They're semi-independent and self-funded. And so it's the oversight mechanism that the legislature uh, established a few years ago to just make sure we have a cohesive uh, sort of regulatory oversight of uh, all of the various financial institutions in Texas that operate and and try to make sure that those policies are working in the way that works for consumers as well as for uh, the market participants that that, uh, are licensed by those uh, particular agencies. And what's on the docket currently, or, or what have you spoke? What is the uh, committee spoken about recently when you met? There's some rulemaking that we were looking at uh, that some certain of the agencies were doing. There's budgets that we were looking at. There are audit reports. Again, it's that oversight function. Uh, also, understanding what's going on today in terms of credit, we're starting to see some things on the on the consumer side where some increase in what's going on in, in pawn shops and those kinds of things, which starts to tell you uh, that there's some stress out in the system that people are doing that. Some of the payday lenders and what's their activity that what are we seeing from that? So that's one of the things that we would be looking at. We also 
the Department of Savings and Mortgage Lending, we just had updates from where they are on the licensing process for renewal. So we're kind of seeing how many people have renewed. Do we have a, a number of folks that have kind of exited the industry? So that those are things. There's a number of litigation items that are out there for the various agencies that we also get reports on. So uh, it's it's interesting to sort of see there. But I think right now, what the thing that interested me the most was uh, seeing some of the reports on what was going on on the consumer credit side, uh, particularly with respect to the payday lenders and others, because that's kind of the canary in the coal mine of things starting to get more and more difficult for uh, certainly certain portions of the population out there. And your law firm, Polunsky Vital Green, you're a law firm for residential mortgage lenders. What are some some common areas of law that you find yourself practicing for, for those in the mortgage industry? You know, we we do uh, a number of things in terms of just the compliance piece with for our clients, because as you probably are aware, the residential mortgage space is heavily regulated by a number of different uh, areas, both on the state level as well as the federal level. So we help our clients navigate that. Uh, and that, so that's a, a principal area that we also, of course, help our, our clients in the preparation of legal documents here in Texas uh, and beyond, just to make sure that those legal documents are always compliant and are properly done, uh, which protects consumers as well as protects the mortgage lenders that we represent. You're Texas's oldest law firm exclusively dedicated to providing residential mortgage originators with help. How, how long have you been doing this? When did you start? I should I should have asked you all these questions the first time we spoke. I'm so sorry it's, it's taken several several podcast visits to get to it, but but I, I find it very interesting. Uh, that's great. Uh, well, the firm has been in business for almost 45 years, so it's been it's been in business for a long, long time. Uh, we joke that when we first started doing business, you know, everyone the loan documents were done on a typewriter versus where we are today on a computer. So it's really remarkable when you look at the progress and automation that we've we've seen along the way. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously the, the principal thing that we do is advise our clients and make sure that they're, uh, they're lending responsibly and that the loan documents are properly reflecting what the deal is between them and the borrower, um, and make sure they're compliant with all of the myriad of regulations that we have to navigate each and every day. And so let's close with a little bit of advice. What are you telling your clients? What, what are you saying to keep an eye out for, uh, what's really top of mind for you as we enter 2023? You know, I think that obviously survival is the biggest thing for everyone is is making sure that they are being prudent with their expenses. Uh, we are, I think we are going to see an area of consolidation in 2023. So there will be certain, uh, certain providers that decide that they would are better served being combined with another entity. And so we're starting to see some of that. Um, I think the the nimble or uh, people who really do figure that out and lower their costs as much as possible is the way to survive. The question is, is uh, you know, you're not going to thrive in that environment, but you may survive. And and that's the, the goal there is to just make sure that their cost structure is uh, as low as possible and that they are make, taking every opportunity to find loan producers out there and kind of grow their business as we come out of the cycle, because we inevitably do come out of the cycle. And uh, I think we're anticipating that that will be a little bit later in the year this year, maybe a little longer cycle than normal. But uh, those that survive will find great opportunities on the other side. I couldn't agree more. Marty, it's always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for making the time. You bet. Thank you, Robbie. Appreciate it very much. Bonds and therefore interest rates had a snoozer of a trading session Wednesday. 
Ahead of today's latest consumer price index reading, the market yesterday exhibited little trepidation, as evidenced by excellent demand at a Treasury 10-year note reopening auction. That follows Tuesday's even more impressive three-year note sale. And good demand means prices go up and rates go down. Today brought inflation data with the much-anticipated December CPI report. We saw headline CPI month-over-month decline 0.1%, as expected, while core CPI, excluding food and energy, rose 0.3%, also as expected. Year-over-year increases were, as expected, (laughs) at 6.5% and 5.7%, down from 7.1% and 6.0% respectively. This will feed into the narrative that we have seen peak inflation in the rearview mirror. We've also received the latest weekly jobless claims in at 205,000 when they were expected at 215,000, with continuing claims pointing to a fully employed America. Later today brings more Treasury auctions, Freddie Mac's primary mortgage market survey, and several Fed speakers including Philadelphia's Harker, St. Louis's Bullard, and Richmond's Barkin. We begin the day with agents CMBS prices, little change from Wednesday, and the tenure yielding 3.55 after closing yesterday at 3.55%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. The older baby boomers were all homeschooled. Who knew? Listen on for their parents' own words. My mother taught me about weather. This room of yours looks as if a tornado went through it. I'm going to miss doing her voice. My mother taught me hypocrisy. If I told you once, I've told you a million times. Don't exaggerate. My father taught me the circle of life. I brought you into this world and I can take you out. My mother taught me about behavior modification. Stop acting like your father. My mother taught me genetics. You're just like your father. And my mother taught me about my roots. Shut that door behind you. Do you think you were born in a barn? (laughs) Thanks again to today's podcast sponsor, Simple Nexus the homeownership platform that unites the people, systems, and stages of the mortgage process into one seamless end-to-end solution that spans engagement, origination, closing, and business intelligence. To learn more about SimpleNexus, an Encino company, visit simplenexus.com. Questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities? Send me an email at robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.